0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Did you chug that? that? <laughs> about, half, well, about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time?
0: Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show, Field of 68, <laughs> till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night.
1: Oh, it is a Valentine's night edition of the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84, Twitter, and YouTube. The chat is a rolling. So get those questions and get those comments in. We're less than four weeks away from Selection Sunday, folks. We at the Field of 68 give you a Field of 68 every single Monday and Friday on our Feeling the 68 show. Folks, it's coming. The dance is coming, and a new week of college basketball is here. I'm your host, John Fanta. We've got Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated here with us tonight, and we have Randolph Childress, who's got a Wake Forest Warm-up shirt on right now. He looks like he could go out and play at 11 o'clock at night tonight. RC is with us as well. Does a great job for the ACC network on your TV sets as well. Guys, it's it's great to be with you here on this Valentine's night. RC, I'm going to start with you here right off the bat. We're less than four weeks away from Selection Sunday, and the Super Bowl was last night. Right. So for the fan that's just jumping in, today and being like okay now I really am all college basketball because there are those guys my brother's one of those guys like he he needs football to end for him to focus in I'm not that way we're not that way but Randolph if you were just telling someone who showed up to planet earth today and is like now I want to talk college basketball what would you tell them about this college hoop season
2: oh wow this is unlike anything we've seen in a long time so I I think the parody's there Get ready to gamble. It's going to be a lot to, a lot, a lot. So it's going to be a lot of money won or a lot of money lost.
1: (laughs) We are presented by Bet Rivers. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Kevin Sweeney. What's the state of the sport? And I want to ask you this How many teams do you think realistically could come away with a national championship?
3: I was I was disg- I was thinking about this today uh, to tease ahead. Sports Illustrated we do we do a thing called the Magic Eight, which is essentially we, we pick in mid February. It's coming out Wednesday. The eight teams that can win a national championship. There are some rules. There are some caveats. You can only take six of the top eight teams in the AP poll, and you have to take one team from outside the top fifteen as is your your eight teams to win the championship. And I feel really good about six teams with the caveat caveat that one of those teams is Baylor right now, and I want to see how they play without but but I think right now there are six or seven really elite teams. And I think the cool thing you mentioned state of the sport is that they're all like really relevant, powerful brands, right? I mean, obviously Gonzaga has you know, incredible cachet because of what they've done been consistently at the top of this thing. Baylor's the defending champion, you know, Kentucky is, is elite. You've got the Duke storyline. You've got, uh, you know, Kansas is going to win the big 12 or, or, or certainly come close to it. And then you've got Auburn, this you know, burgeoning football power that is you know, you know, making it happen in hoops and has a huge fan base and everybody engaged. Even Providence has this incredible fan base. I mean, every single elite team this year has you know, these strong fan bases. Many of them have incredible tradition in basketball. So I think the sports in Arizona, I should, should mention as well, a, a, a blue blood or, or close to a blue blood program. I mean, I think it's fantastic you know, where, where we're at right now. The parity is there, as you said, RC. Uh, and, and we've got you know six, seven truly elite teams that could beat each other on any given night. You know, last year, it felt like Gonzaga and Baylor and everybody else. And, and right now, it's Gonzaga and Baylor and Arizona and Kentucky and Duke and Auburn and Kansas and everybody else. And that's pretty awesome.
1: Kevin, before we look at the weekend takeaways and get into this week, I am putting you on the spot. And then, RC, I'm putting you on next. Kevin Sweeney, if you were to back one program in America that you believe will win the national championship on Monday, February 14th. Who are you backing?
3: And we're not even five minutes into the show or heated up from the, from the start. I love it. Fanta. We waste no
1: time on the field of 68 (laughs) after dark on Sirius XM channel 84.
3: Um, I I think I would go with Gonzaga and I'll tell you why, obviously the coaching experience, they have got guys who've been in the moment before and, and they've tasted it. Uh, but at the end of the day, They have the best effective field goal percentage offense and the best effective field goal percentage defense in college basketball. Their defense has taken on a whole new form uh, as Chet Holmgren's gotten more comfortable. They've got the dominant interior presence in Timmy. They've got the outstanding point guard play. They've got quickness. You can't stop them in transition.
2: To me, if you made me back a horse, it would be the Bulldogs right now. RC. I'm on the record, but for different reasons. I I think it's Gonzaga as well. Uh, I I don't. With them, I don't buy into the analytics as much because they're just so dominant in their conference. All the numbers are going to be skewed and they're going to face far better teams as they get into conference play. But having said that, I think they have the most versatility to play size, small ball, whatever they need. And I do think they're bad. And the other thing is, they got this close. You know, they're like the Cincinnati Bengals waking up this morning. It's like you get there and you're like one play. You feel like you're right there. You know, those guys are the national champions, runner up. You know they didn't win it last year, so I, I think there's a hunger and a and a need to close that that you know that and not everyone else feels. They know what it takes to get there, and I think there's an edge on them just to say, "Hey, we need to we need to finish it this year."
1: I'm coming out scalding hot tonight. Oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to be a little bit different from Mr. Sweeney and Mr. Childress, because I love the Zags for the reasons listed. The team that you should be backing at 11.06 Eastern time on Monday, February 14th to win it all is the team that plays their games in Lexington. Big Blue, good evening. You are coming on. Like a thoroughbred that was once counted out, but should have never been, here comes John Calipari, and here come the Kentucky Wildcats. Oscar Shibwe is a National Player of the Year candidate. He does the job of two in the paint. Ty Ty Washington, a marvel to watch, and maybe the single most must-see talent in the NCAA tournament, but he helps them win. This is not just a regular freshman. When you combine Severe Wheeler, the Georgia transfer, and you combine him with Kellen Grady, who's a good shot maker, the Kentucky Wildcats have the formula to win it all. What's the reaction?
2: Great 20.
3: I, I buy it. I mean, look, I, I think the one thing I'll say with Kentucky – is we will know more in two weeks' time. In two weeks' time, look, I believe in this Kentucky team. I think when you watch them, they pass the eye test. They share the ball. They have great role allocation. They've got the star in the middle. They've got the guards. But with the exception of the Kansas game, they really haven't had that you know sustained statement of here we are. Or, you know, this, this you know, We are the best team in the country. And here we go, next four games at Tennessee tomorrow night. Huge game, Thompson Bowling Arena. That place can going to be packed in orange. It's going to be awesome. Uh, home Alabama on Saturday. That's not an easy game. is starting to turn it around. Home LSU. LSU's got Pinson back. You know they can guard. They already beat Kentucky and Baton Rouge. And then at Arkansas, we saw how difficult it is, it is to win in Fayetteville last week when Auburn came to town. I, I think, you know, that's February 26th when they go to Fayetteville. I think on February 27th. If they win those four games, Kentucky should be the national title favorite. If they prove that they can survive this gauntlet, they should be they should be the best team in the country. Should be number one in the polls. They they should have it all. Um, I think they do have the parts. I worry about the health. I worry about the fact that you know maybe you know maybe, maybe that when you get into a, a big game where a team can match them athletically, like a, like a team like Duke did early in the season, that they maybe struggle a little bit. But man, I tell you what. There's been no team that has been more impressive in the last three weeks or so uh, than the
2: big blue nation. Let's be clear. They're not going through that segment undefeated and that's okay. I mean, I, I think they're, I think they're not going to do it. No one. I don't know if anyone in the country would, I mean, those are some really tough teams going down a stretch when they've been playing good basketball. My concerns, I think they're a final four team. And when you get to the final four, it, it's, it's a, a whistle here, you know, whistle there. The concerns that I have are, can Oscar Shebae stay out of foul trouble? Because if he's not on the floor, they're not the same team. I think they can get away with a lot of different moving parts. He's just a part they cannot have off the floor if they're going to make a title run. And again, the only thing that I have a concern with, and we had this conversation early before they hit their stride, is is their point guard. You know, They're not going to beat a high-quality team come a final full-caliber team if Severe Willer has a six turnover game or a five turnover game, that's when it costs you. So if he takes care of the basketball, he's been playing great. I know I was on him early. He's, they're playing great. I mean, they're right there. This is as good a team as there is in in college basketball. But like everyone else, has their 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 their, their you know their Achilles' heel. Oscar's foul trouble is a concern. And again, to turn if, if they have the yips and get back to turning the basketball over, that could that could be the end for Kentucky come tournament time but they won't go through that stretch undefeated sure they'll lose and that's okay i, I wouldn't right. take any less of them all
1: right let's talk about the big 10 and it was a, an interesting sunday in the conference purdue edges maryland in a game that they should have potentially lost but they they steal it at the end they find a way 62 61 illinois beats northwestern 73 66 and keegan murray does keegan murray things iowa beats nebraska but I have to go back to Purdue. They beat Maryland by a point off a loss to Michigan. Randolph, how concerned are you about the Boilermakers?
2: I'm very concerned. I mean, let's be clear. That, that Michigan loss was a, a polite way of saying that was an ass-kicking. I mean, the Michigan loss. I mean, they lost to Michigan. I mean, that was, that was a beatdown. But, I mean, they got a closer. We know how good Jay Ivy is. Uh, I was expecting them to put away Maryland rel- relatively early and got a call that, that that kind of saved the day for them to get them out of that one. And we're just, uh, well, right now we'll be sitting here saying the wheels are, are falling off. So I, I've i said it all along. They're a good team. there will be no less than a, a, a two seed, maybe a three seed in a, in a tournament. But my biggest concern with them has always been when, when you know, Zach Eady and and, and Williams, there's two of them better the two two of their top three players they play the same position and you can't have them on a the floor together and then the other thing is their defense it just can't come and go so they got to hit that switch and leave it on if they want to compete because that that's no one else in the country we're talking about has that issue like 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 you know you, you they're strong in that one spot and that's great but you can't put you know when you know just so it's an unfortunate thing i mean they're having a great year they're, they're well coached they'll be right there but that's just going to be a tough thing to overcome, you know, you, you're up and down defensively. And, you know, again, having Williams and and, and Edie being in the same position and, and not being able to play together. I just think in the end, it'll, it'll hurt them.
3: I think the thing that concerns me is you come off that, you know, ass kicking against Michigan, right? You, you, you got embarrassed. Yes. Right. You at home, right. You come home, you play Maryland. Who's bottom two, bottom three team in the league. Sure. Maryland's without their best player, Eric Ayala. And you come out and you play as poorly as they did. And you look like the, you, you have your whole student section, your, your amazing fan base, you know, top five, top 10 fan base in college basketball on your side. You've got every reason to just bury Maryland. And the fact that you never did, the fact that even after halftime, you come out and you get outscored by nine in the first 10 minutes of the second half. Again, I, I just think something's missing with this group. I don't know mm. if it's a leadership thing. I don't know if it's a, you know, if, if, I, I, we've talked a lot, you know, on this platform about, you know, the, it the might be that they're, in, but, hey, hey, it might
1: be that they're Peru. There's no D.
3: <laughs> but man, like, they, well, they, they, they don't, don't defend. Guard. No, they don't they
2: guard. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And. But let's 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 be fair though. I mean, fats that ball screen defense is going to be an issue against them, as it is most teams when you got a big like that. And fats had it going. I mean, oh, yes. fats Russell had it going, and and he got wherever he wanted. He shot it well, and that's going to be a problem with them. It's just ball screens. I mean, putting those guys in ball screens and putting them in rotation is going to be an issue. And you got teams like Maryland that was just going, and I obviously know Danny Manning, and that was. Gonna be something they're gonna do. Constantly putting him in that, and Fats was Fats played great, so give him credit for that. But yes. you're right. I mean, defense—we've been talking about it all year with them. They, when they decide they want to defend, they're as good as anybody. But they—they they have more than any team that we. I mean, we were talking about them being a national championship contender, right. and and now I don't think any of us feel that way. We're like, all right, Sweet Sixteen. Like ah, uh, you know, and and that that that's, that what we don't feel that way. I also just think Jade, like
3: I, I think Jaden and Ivy needs to be a guy who, like on a day like you're playing against Maryland and you're struggling, needs to just say we're not losing today, right? Like they don't have a guy who steps up in games late. Even Ivy, I mean Ivy hit the huge shot against Ohio State, but I don't trust every given night Ivy to say in the second half of games we're not losing this game. I'm going to make sure of that. Mm. Like he just has not taken over enough games the way I want. And again, there have been moments, right? Like the Illinois game in the second half, he dominated that game. And and my colleague Pat Fordy was there and he wrote a whole thing about how you know Matt Painter basically said, no, roll the ball out. Jaden can go win us this game. And Jaden did. And Jaden dominated that on? the second half. Who's that on? Jaden Ivy or Matt Painter? I think I don't think there's one person to blame. I, I think to me the problem is, is that the team doesn't have a true identity is it a run our stuff and get threes for stefanovic's team is it a play through the post with Edie and williams team is it jaden ivy's team there is no guy who steps up and says this is my team and maybe that's painter's job and, and rca you 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 you've been in lock, more locker rooms than i have certainly and maybe maybe that's a coach's job to say, like how are we going to you know manage these late game situations but i think part of it's just like I need the kids to, you know, I, I need I need the players who've been around and been in March moments to step up and figure out how to, you know, close games late. And it just doesn't feel like they have a guy who steps up when you know things are going wrong and says, "We're hand like this
2: is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to finish this game." I, I feel a little different than you on this, and I'll say this: I think it's because people they have an identity in what they're doing. They just don't have any other option about how they can play. So okay. you know it's coming and you know it's predictable. So for them, it's about them executing their style of play because they can't change it, right? We talked about Gonzaga, and Gonzaga has all this versatility. So if they want to play this way, they can change. Purdue can't, That's right? Fair. This is the only way they can play. And, and they have to out-execute you and play that way, half-court, you know, running through our interior bigs, or we're screwed. And if you get us in some ragtag game or you out-athlete us, we're in trouble. Like like I think that's the issue with them. I don't think it's that they don't have an identity. They, they give it to Ivy, but sometimes Ivy can put his head down, he can get a little out of control. They have it. They're gonna throw it inside to, to, to Edie. They're gonna throw it inside to, to Williams. That that's that, that is their identity. The problem is if that's not working or it's not effective, they got nothing else to go to. That's the issue. All right. We've got a break here on the field of sixty
1: eight after dark. Up next. Kansas back in action at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. How would Ochayag Baji and the Jayhawks fare on a Monday evening with Mike Boyden and the Cowboys of Oklahoma State in town? Plus, it's Valentine's Day, which means we have a college basketball edition of the newlyweds game. All that and more. This is the field of 68 After Dark Sirius XM, Channel 84.
0: Clear for 90.
1: All right, we have questions in the chat. First question from Justin Blackburn. RC, big fan of yours. All due respect, how'd y'all lose to Oklahoma State your senior year?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Tony Rutland, tell him Tony Rutland if he's listening. He, I passed him the ball and he threw up a brick and no, it rattled in, he rattled around the rim and we lost. I mean, rather fun those guys. They had a good team, Big Country and those guys. I blame Duncan. Uh, uh Big Country kicked Tim's ass. That's what I think. I blame him. You just blame Duncan.
1: That One is amazing. Uh, okay, from Ron Loney, Sweeney. Will Kentucky beat Duke if they played again? Man, that's a wow. great question. Wow, hmm.
3: <laughs> I, I love the way this Duke team can defend, but I'm not. I'm not betting against Kentucky right now. I just, wow. I'm just not. I think Kentucky would win a rematch right now.
1: Mm. Randolph,
3: thirty seconds.
2: I won't argue. I, I like. I, I'd say I like Kentucky's bench. Yeah, I agree mm. with that. That would be the difference in the two.
1: Yeah, I mean, great freshman matchup. Twenty. I think Mark Williams would have to be a huge key to that game because mm-hmm. he seems to be a key cog. To me, Trevor Keels would be the key, too. Like, is Trevor Keels hitting shots? Is he giving them what he has in big spots? So, I don't know. For Toss-up. Toss go.
0: Two.
1: One. It's the Field of 68 After Dark Sirius XM Channel 84, the ESPNU station. John Fanza. Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney, ACC Networks, Randolph Childress, with you deep into this Valentine's night. Hope you all have had a wonderful Valentine's Day. One of the guys that we've loved watching all season long is Ochai Baji. and tonight he goes for twenty points, seven rebounds, four assists as the six-ranked Kansas Jayhawks make it twenty-one and four on the season, beating Oklahoma State seventy-six to sixty-two. Kevin. Beyond the game, is Kansas the team that you love the most in the Big 12?
3: Man, I, I think for a while I felt like Baylor is the best team. But over the last month, I think I start to lean Kansas, especially now with the the Chandler Chachau injury. Uh, they have the best player in, in, on either team in, in Agbaje, who's been terrific. Jalen Wilson is really coming around. I think that's critical to them. You know, he was disappointing earlier in the season. I I really felt they needed more from him. But, you know, since the middle of January, he's been in double figures in all but two games. He had eight and nine in those respective games, and that was an eight and eight and a nine and 10. Uh, So, you know, it's not like he hasn't been playing well. Uh, He he, he is really, he really stepped up. He had an awesome game against Oklahoma this weekend. And I'll add one other thing with this team that I really like, even with Remy Martin sidelined to lose a little bit of the explosiveness. I like the look that they gave against Oklahoma and they used it a little again today with uh, Zach Clements at the five. Because you think about Bill Self teams, they really want to play play through the post, get the post-ups from McCormick. And McCormick's really good. He's a weapon, he's grinding off the offensive glass. He can really score it. But I think for you know, I think he's a 20-minute a game guy. And I think for the other 20 minutes, to be able to go to a kind of five out look and get isolation opportunities for Wilson. Uh, for Agbaje and, and for Christian Brown, it makes him really dangerous. And, and I like Clements a lot out of high school. He can stretch the floor. And he did a good job. He hung out on the boards against the Oklahoma big men. I, I saw a lot of that game that we, this weekend. I thought Oklahoma gave him a great game at Allen Fieldhouse. But Clements really turned it with the ability to, uh, to open up the floor for, for the rest of the, these Kansas guards. And I think especially if you don't have Remy Martin, who's you know, a more explosive shot creator, you need all those extra edges you can get to, to get the, get your guards in space. And I think, you know, the look that they can give moving forward with, with Clements at the five is really interesting for this Kansas team.
1: RC, where do you stand with KU?
2: I am, I'm on the bandwagon, but I'm concerned. I think they'll go as far as the consistency of, of David McCormick takes them or allows them to be. Uh, I think he needs to be, Perimeter-wise, I think they'll play with anybody in the country. They just don't have, you know, the the bodies, the size, the physicality that 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 McCormick brings. And we don't know. I mean, he 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 can he can disappear on you. Mm. I and mean, we we've seen that in the past, and there's been some concerns. I know he had a double-double tonight, but if he doesn't show up, I think they're vulnerable. I do like you said. I do like what what Zach Clements, the dimension he brings to them, and and if allows them if they're, they don't – if he's not – if McCormick's not scoring inside, it, it opens up the lane clearing them out, you know, when you sub them out. But if they're going to go and hang – you know, and, and get another championship, they need David McCormick to be more consistent. He needs to be a double-double guy in the tournament or for the rest of the season leading into the tournament if they're going to they're gonna cut down nets. But I, I am right now in the conference. I think they're the team to beat.
1: One of the things that I look at with this team is what Dewan Harris is doing from a, a game-to-game basis. And, and I think it's so critical that he's giving them productive distribution. Yes. They, they need that because Christian Brown is a terrific shot maker and and has served up in big-time spots and games for this team, big, big-time shots. And Ochai, they could play through him on any given night and he could win them a game. He's done that this season. But for me, at the end of the day, when you have these versatile wing-type players who can give you perimeter shooting, and in Agbaji's case, the ability to, to get to the cup and make things happen, draw a foul, pull up off the dribble, what are you getting consistently at the one? And for, for me, Kansas is not a team with elite point guard play. That's one thing. So when you look at their group, And you sit here and say, okay, David McCormick hasn't been what he was down the stretch last year. If you combine that with inefficiency at point guard against a team that does have good guard play, that's where Kansas to me is in trouble. You know, that's where I worry about them because they don't have a terrific bench. They don't. Uh, Joseph Yesifu has not panned out it's it, if you look at what they did tonight against Oklahoma state, it was a starting five. So that's why to me in, in my mind, I've been tracking Dewan Harris and what he gives them, Kevin, mm-hmm. because I think it's important for, for them from a, from a, a macro level, but also just from NCAA tournament to me, you, you have to have a composer and as good of a player as Ochai is, there's got to be the right setup there. And that's been, that's coming gone at times for them when, when Harris is on like he was tonight, he gave them a good game tonight. 12 points, five assists, but he, he managed the game well. He had control of it. I think that's an
2: underlying key to the Jayhawks. 100%. Who's been, let me ask you guys this. Then Who's been more consistent, in for your for you guys' opinion, between the two? We talked about McCormick. We talked about about uh, Harris. Who's been more consistent? Probably Harris. I think Harris. Yeah. That's, and that's why I think. That's, that's why I went with McCormick. I, I yeah. think. Harris has shown to he's shown me he's been more consistent and more reliable than McCormick has, and that's why I think they'll go as far as their guards take him. I, I think he's been pretty steady for him. Yeah, uh, uh, McCormick's in a you know ability to to to, to kind of man things inside for a Bill self team is is if he shows up and he's a double double, they're going to play with anybody.
3: I think the one thing that's that that's important with harris right Is he's never going to be frank mason he's never going to be one of these great you know jayhawk point guards that creates off the bounce of explosive that's just not who he is uh but i think what he brings is he, he's like a lot of the nba glue guy point guards where you get the ball off the court and then you make you know you make good decisions right and, and right now the last five games 29 assists compared to 10 turnovers uh, he's getting steals. He's great defensively in the passing lanes all the time. He's picking his spots when he's shooting the ball from, from deep. Like, I think that's what, what they need from Dewan Harris. Now, do you want a more dynamic shot creator in March? I think you probably do, especially because as good as Oshag is, he's not a guy that you're rolling the ball to and saying, go create one, right? He relies on running off of screens or, you know, catch and shoot opportunities. He, he He's not an ISO scorer. You know, if they're they're looking for a bucket to go get one, they really need to be Brown. And I I think you wish you had the extra element of Remy Martin who could do that as well. Yes. Who who could come off the bounce in a situation and just make something happen with the ball in his hands. Uh, But I think what Harris does for them, as long as he is playing under control, like you you alluded to, Fanta, um, he just gives you a a tremendous steadying force to go with all these guys who – you know, want want to hunt shots, want to be able to make make plays off the bounce. He 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 can just probe, make good passes, make good decisions, and defend. And I think you know today was a step forward for him. You know one of his better games of the season, scoring the basketball. But again, it's it's not really about that for him. It's about taking care of the basketball. It's about making good decisions. but getting in passing lanes. And I just felt like today and really the last five games or so, he's done a much better job of managing the game and creating for for, for others. And you know the numbers bear that out.
1: So Kansas comes away a winner over Oklahoma State. And you have the, the piece of news of Jonathan Chamwa Chatua sustaining and suffering that, that major injury. This is Field of 68 after Dark Sirius XM Channel 84. Kevin, I'll stay with you. What does this do to Baylor's ceiling?
3: I think it's significant because you know, it, not only was he a really steady uh, offensive player and a great rebounder, but he was, you know, the heart and soul of that team, you know, a yeah. leader, an emotional guy, a guy who understood the defense inside and out. I think that really hurts them more because right. Like flow. is really good. Uh, he's really steady. And your small ball five option, Jeremy. Sohan, is probably gonna be a first round pick might be a lottery pick. So it's not like you're dropping off massively from a talent standpoint, but you know, the, the understanding of a defensive system, I think is the thing that concerns me. Uh, with losing him particularly because Baylor's defense has struggled a little bit uh, in, in conference play it hasn't been quite as good uh, of late so yeah I mean I, I want to watch them play a couple times before I have a, a, a real sense of where they're at obviously the Texas game was impressive and he went out very early in that game um but at the same time I want to I see him a couple times before I say, oh you know this changes their national title ceiling I still think they have the pieces they have you know, dynamic guards, they have big wings who can really create, they're good defensively, they have a national championship coach. Um, but without a doubt, on paper, it hurt, hurts them immensely because he's just so important to, you know, the Baylor culture, right? I mean, everyone talks about, you know, their the way that they play together and, you know, his selflessness in their offense and on their defensive side as well, with the way that he kind of directs traffic, what We really, really missed
1: interesting stuff overall on the bears and and what the challenges are ahead of them because as you said Jonathan shamwa Chachua is the heart and soul of that program and you lose him in the heart of february that is a major major loss we'll see don't don't ever doubt scott drew
2: they have something though that not everyone has they have great point guard play yes and not everyone has that. We, we talk about a lot, like like uh, so many of the teams that we've been discussing that are national championship teams. Think about that eight. How many of them can you say have great point guard play? Well
1: said. Not, no. Look, less than half. It's an interesting point, and it's a good point. That's why Randolph Childress is on Field of 68 After Dark with Kevin Sweeney, and I'm John Fanta on Sirius XM Channel 84. Up next. We take a look around the ACC where the relationship status is. It's complicated. <laughs> this is the field of 68 after dark.
0: Clear for 90.
2: You're such a machine, Fanta.
1: Okay, here we go. <laughs> From Bensky, thoughts on Kansas's jerseys?
2: I, I thought those were. Uh... You know the little gym, the little flip, the little reversible. I thought it was reversible when I first saw it.
3: Well, Oklahoma was wearing black, so I thought they were wearing I thought it was like my TV went to black and white or something. I was very confused. I thought it looked cool. I thought it was like a nice little thing, but I was just very confused.
1: So I like the jerseys, but you can't mess with the Jayhawk and just that whole vibe. Oh uh, they their their regulars are so damn good. Don't mess with it. Yeah. I love One I love when I love when Kansas wears their blues too. Uh, okay, from Hal, R.C., do you credit Arizona's success more to Tommy Lloyd coaching or Sean Miller recruiting?
2: Both. You don't come into a program like that and be as good as they are without both. He, the cupboard wasn't empty when he got there. You know, so you, you credit both. But he has definitely surprised a lot of people the, and has made them better. 30 seconds.
1: Um, we have one more here. Um. We have one more here, and it comes from Joseph. We're going to talk more about this on the field of 68 afters. 20. Providence or Villanova tomorrow. Ooh. Kevin, your instant pick before we talk to it after the show.
3: Well, <laughs> I can't bet against the fries at the dunk. 10 I seconds. Just can't do it.
2: All right, RC, quickly. You already know where I'm going. Go for, go, ahead, Cooley.
3: Five, two, one.
1: It's the Field of 68 After Dark Sirius XM Channel 84. John Fanta, Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney, ESPN's Randolph Childress. With you here tonight on the ESPN U station. It's Field of 68 After Dark Sirius XM Channel 84. We're presented tonight, as we always are, by the fine folks at Bet Rivers. We're also on Twitter. We are on YouTube as well. Let's head to the conference in which this year has been kind of like a friend zone year. It's just it's just been a, a tough year overall for the Atlantic Coast Conference. That being said, that being said, you still have Mike Sheshewski at the dinner table, and that, that matters. That, that carries clout, right? I mean, I wouldn't want him to be my father-in-law, <laughs> um, although we know people in the industry who, who have that. It, but that's for another story. Uh, Let's talk about the Atlantic coast conference here tonight, Virginia and Virginia tech Hokies win this game. 62 to 53 in Blacksburg Randolph immediate reaction.
2: Uh, I thought it was a better game than people thought. I mean, you knew it was going to be a low scoring game. Virginia games tend to fly by. They don't, they don't file much and, and, and they, 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 they do a really good job defending and controlling the pace. Virginia tech is playing as well as anyone in the ACC for sure. Um, they're they they start. They have enough games left to play themselves into the tournament if they continue on this streak. I, I I like I like the way they're playing. They're playing good basketball. They shoot the three well. Second in the country, and obviously with with Kevi Aluma and Justin much they they got a chance.
3: I actually thought Virginia played a pretty good ball game. I mean, you know that 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 building, know, Castle Coliseum, is a tough place to play. I mean, it's I I love whenever you're watching a game and you see the fans are literally up against the wall. I mean, the last seat in the house, there are people up against the wall. Like they're feeling the cold air from the outside going through the wall of the building. And that's how it was. I mean, it was a tough environment. I thought Virginia, he really brought it. You know, you know, Shedrick was was tough. He continues to emerge for them. Reese Beekman played with a confidence that I haven't seen from him in a while. And Jaden Gardner continues to really emerge as a scorer for them. He had 17 and 14 today. I thought they did a lot of good things, but just couldn't get over the finish line. And, you know, for Virginia, I think this is a game they really needed for their NCAA tournament hopes, obviously, you know, they get two opportunities coming up uh, Saturday at Miami and then Wednesday at Duke, you know, or excuse me, home against Duke. Uh, Mm -hmm. You win both of those. I mean, it obviously change your, your luck, but I thought they needed this one as a potential quadrant one game, but you know, I think Virginia, was a team that we kind of forgot about after they started 0-4 in the league, and they've just kind of scrapped and clawed their way back into you know the conversation. The metrics love Virginia Tech.
2: They're top three. They we, we, we struggled with it. Remember when they were 0-4, we were like, why are they still in the tournament? They were like 0-4 to start the league, yeah. and they were still in the tournament. It was crazy.
3: Yeah, the, the metrics are the metrics love love the hokies. Aluma was tremendous today, was. you know, blocking shots, rebounding the ball, finishing at the basket. They had no answer. He's been great lately. And You know, I I think this is a team where you, especially with the way they shoot it, even if they're not in the tournament heading into conference tournament week, you get them going on a run and Couture starts feeling himself and Aline starts feeling it from deep. It could get
2: dangerous. You could make a run to the conference championship game and and really get, really get interesting. You know Hmm. where they've separated themselves, having seen them early in the year and now is they're getting a bench. They're getting production from their bench and There's not a lot of teams in this league, just like there's not a lot of teams in the country that, that, and I think that's one of the most underrated things going into the tournament. They're getting production from their bench where I'm telling you five games into the ACC tournament. I mean, ACC play. I, I think I covered their fifth game. And when Maddox got in and hit a three, it was the 21st point from the bench in five games. And then now just watching them last game, I mean, I watched Maddox come in and have 10 off the bench. They're, they're just getting production, and they're probably going to a legitimate eight or nine, you know, nine deep now, and they didn't have that before.
1: Well, and the thing with Virginia Tech is I, I don't think that the nation would put this together, but, folks, they're a top-20 Ken Palm offensive team as things stand in this moment. I don't think people would understand that, and Aluma is one of the more underappreciated players nationally. He's big time. He figures out ways to make things happen for that team. They're a well-coached group that that disappointed earlier in the season, but but has put it together. And you're right, Kevin. The metrics do like them. They do not own a quad one win. They don't have anything that makes you say, oh, God, that's horrible. Uh, But where do you side? Will Virginia Tech make the NCAA tournament?
3: I would lean no unless they can really do something in the conference tournament, right? I think they are going to need to make a a significant statement in that event, even if they don't win it. But man, I mean, if you win out and you get a quad one win at Miami, and maybe Clemson winds up sneaking back into quad one territory on the road and you steal another there, you you know, Carolina this weekend, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but. I think the path is best through the ACC tournament. But again, the bubble, I mean, it's not a high bar to clear right now. No. If they can just keep, if you just keep winning, let everybody else beat each other up. You know, let everybody else fall. You know, in in two weeks, the story might be different. Right now, they're, you know, next four out to me at best. You know, I think they're probably, you know, in the really like the next four, next four out, you know, the nine to 12 away from it. But there's a path there,
2: I think. They're, they're It'll change by the week because, yeah. I mean, they're all right there. Right. I mean, Wake just lost to Miami and then they got Duke, you know, Duke coming up. I mean, there's going to be four teams in it for sure, maybe from the ACC. And, and that's being kind, but they're all going to play and beat each other up here. So you know who wins those matches? Who I mean, Virginia Tech had. I they, I think they dug themselves in too far of a hole. But they're the hottest team in the league, winning six straight. They're gonna have to finish really strong here. But Mike, the question is, is what happens if those other teams come back to them, and they somehow, with the metrics loving them, find themselves in the in the top four to five right there? I, I and which is possible, because after I, Tuesday tomorrow. Wake could be ten to six, only at one game ahead of them.
3: Mm-hmm. I wonder if them and Notre Dame are going to wind up regretting deeply the fact that they lost on the road at Boston College. And I get, I get that Earl Grant uh-huh. has got them fighting, but the, that's the loss, you know, that, that you look back on, and you say, because look, everything else on the resume. I mean, I guess they lost at home to NC State. That's not great. But, you know, you, you lost it. That's, that's the game that's there. That's the that's, game that's there. You pencil the NC, it in. Which
2: one's worse? The NC State's one worse
3: than Boston College. Right, but NC State has two pros, two future pros in Sebrin and uh, Turquavian Smith.
2: But the computers don't care about yeah, that. They, the don't metrics, care
3: the they don't care who you got. don't, I, who I, you got. I, I, I don't care who I agree with the metrics. I, I'm saying when you went in and you game planned it and you looked at who Boston College had, you said – we better be able to beat these guys. We better be able to win that game. You got to find a way. And again, right, every team has those, but I think for the league and we're about to, you know, kind of try to figure out how many business things are going to get. I think for Virginia Tech and, and for Notre Dame, that BC
2: game could really be impactful. The difference, though, was that Notre Dame has a win over Kentucky. Yes. That, and and that, that, that that
3: win has helped them, 100%. Yeah,
2: and also the difference is that Notre Dame's won four in a row and they're tied for first place in the league. No, Notre Dame's in a better position right now. I'm not saying
3: that. They are. but I'm saying I, I have them in the field right now. I think they're in good shape. But if it's close, if they're sweating on selection Sunday, a big reason why they're sweating is because of that Boston
2: College game in early December. Sure. If they're sweating, then it's a one-bit league because no one else, like if they're 11 and three, <laughs> like, like if they're sweating, it's Duke and like they got to be in. If they're sweating, UNC doesn't have a chance. All like, right. All right. Wait. Done.
1: <laughs> Field of 68 after dark Sirius XM channel 84 Twitter, YouTube We're sponsored by bet rivers, John Fanta, Randolph Childress, Kevin Sweeney. So we're going to stay right there. Randolph, how many bids will the Atlantic coast conference get on selection Sunday?
2: I'm going to say four for sure, depending on how things finish up five, but, but I, I I think they'll get four.
1: Okay. I believe in the
2: fifth. I, I, I think,
3: I think, you know Duke's obviously there. I think North Carolina's getting in. I think Miami. Whoa, 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 You said North Carolina's getting in. I think North Carolina's getting in the field.
2: So, well, uh, so if North Carolina's
1: this. getting in. Then five are probably getting in.
2: That's that's the thing because this is what we talk. Right, let's go back. I'm, I'm, and you're finished. I'm sorry cutting you off. But listen, no, you're good. If if UNC is going to Virginia Tech this weekend, yes. UNC do they have a quad one win yet? No, that's the one that can to get their. You quad know what line. I'm saying? So, so now that I mean, oof. go ahead. I I, I mean, I, 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 the
3: the thing, the thing so is, many, North Carolina uh-huh. has a clean resume. They have not lost clean non-quadrant one game.
1: Clean. Well, it's the equivalent. Clean. It's get the equivalent. Fatter. It's the equivalent to a chain restaurant. <laughs> clean. Get them it's the equivalent to it's a. It's the equivalent to nothing's open. So I gotta go there for the late night appetizers because I don't have a choice. Clean. That that is not clean.
3: Yes, it is. By definition, the clean. Clean. no, no. I, I'm not Kevin, saying it's, it's little a little middle
1: little... class resume. North Carolina's resume is a middle class resume. It might get them in because their name yes. carries more weight than yes. another. And I'm saying they will get in the field. revenue.
3: I I agree with that. I, I I don't think it's a spectacular resume by
2: any means, but I think they oh, will. Huh, I just, that's an understatement. They, it, that resume is bad. That, I said it. They may have the worst resume of. Obviously, a Duke, Notre Dame, Miami, Wake, and Virginia. They have the worst resume. They,
3: they, they do have the best metrics of Notre Dame, Miami. They have way better metrics. You know, 20 spots different in the net in Ken
2: So I think that helps them. Yep. That means somebody from Carolina is just doing an analytics thing because there's no way you can tell <laughs> me that resume thing. Maybe. They've been blown out by any decent opponent that they've had.
1: I've been wondering what Roy Williams is doing. He's programming.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's at home with his computer making it happen, baby.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you something right now, Kevin. You cannot say that North Carolina's resume is no. clean. It's clean by definition. Is you're not no. loose.
3: you have no Q three. They have no Q three losses, no Q four losses,
1: and no one win
3: loss.
2: <laughs> no one, one wins. Yeah, they're
3: they're un- they're winless against quadrant one and undefeated <laughs> against everybody else. That's the definition of clean. They've done
1: nothing clean. wrong.
0: Clean. Oh my God. North
1: Carolina's resume is clean. Wow. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I don't think you can sit here and say a mm. clean resume to me is one that has some nice looking wins on it and has no blemishes. Some some areas for improvement, but that's clean. Like they don't have. There's nothing. No part of that play
3: is shiny. No, for okay, North fine. Carolina. How about how about I frame it this way? North Carolina has yet to screw up yet. North Carolina has yet to do something to take themselves out of the NCAA tournament. They've not. But lost, they haven't done anything to put themselves in. They haven't done yeah. anything to
2: put themselves in. That's the difference. We can't say they take it out. They haven't done anything to put themselves right.
3: in it. The only thing that holds them in right now is that their metrics are good and that they haven't lost anyone bad. And eventually, Kevin. someone's going to jump them if they don't beat someone, right? But they have Virginia Tech this weekend on the road. They go to Duke at the end of the season. They'll get probably two opportunities in the, in the conference tournament. You think You're they're winning win a couple, you, right? You're you think win they're
1: winning? You think they're beating Coach K in his last no. act at Cameron? No.
3: But I think they're winning at Virginia Tech on Saturday.
1: North Carolina is the equivalent Mm. to Jeff
2: Fisher. No, Sweeney, we bet. I bet you dinner on that one. Virginia Tech. Yes. Okay. They are not going in the castle getting that. And let me tell you something
1: right now. I'm hopping in on that dinner. it's (laughs) (laughs) it's, It's medium rare.
2: Yes, baby. And it's I like wine with mine, and I'm not a cheap date, so get ready. Yeah. All that money t- you make, and we talked about it last time. All that money, baby. Yeah, let get me tell you something, God baby. Oh yeah, he's in that workers <laughs> you're union. Kill me at
3: the final four. It's he's bad. in that.
1: Oh, we are killing you at the final four. <laughs> let me tell you something. On this big Monday, there weren't a lot of college basketball games. Guess who lost to me tonight? The cows. <laughs> the cows took a loss, a big <laughs> loss tonight. They are they are on the outside looking in. This is the Field of 68, After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84. It's the Valentine's Day show, which means after this, we are playing the college basketball newlyweds game. You have to marry somebody. You have to just date somebody. RC was doing that in his playing days. He was stealing Tim Duncan's girls. And you got to dump somebody. That's next on After Dark. Okay. Clear for 90. I'm just messing with you, RC. Okay. I can take it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here we go. What do we got here? Let me see here.
3: What's the Carter Elliott question?
1: This is amazing. So Carter Elliott asked, who would be the best father-in-law? Coach K, John Calipari, or Tom Izzo? (laughs) Izzo. Izzo.
2: Cow. I think cow. Yeah. Cow. Cow. Really? Why? Because Kyle just seems like the father-in-law that I've just, hey, God, enjoy yourself. Here, take your car, take the, if take, you had the warmest, attic, take the Ferrari. <laughs>
3: go,
2: go show her a good time. You know what I mean? Like
3: he, he's definitely like throwing like a big like beach vacation over the yeah, summer. That yeah, he'll
2: be like, him. hey, come on a private plane with us. We're gonna fly take the family down to the Bahamas. If you had that, to Tom it Izzo looks like dr- he'll be that scene in Martin uh, on, on Bad Boy too.
3: If you had to ask for Izzo's Izzo's daughter's hand in marriage from Izzo, I I, I think I would move on. I mean, I'd be too nervous. Like, I can't do it. you going to chew me out. Thirty seconds.
1: I don't think. I'm sorry. I'm saying this. I I I don't think I could pick up. Like like if it were Coach K's daughter. Twenty seconds. I would be so nervous in the in the home in the house lobby. I'd be nervous. I would be. It's Coach K. I don't, I don't want me. to let Ten him down. Seconds. I'm, I'm going Izzo. I just think he's cool. I think he'll talk. Just to be Five. different. All right, here we go. Two, one. Folks, this is why this crew was assembled for Feel the 68 After Dark. Valentine's Night Edition. Sirius XM, Channel 84. We are taking you until roughly 11.58. So we have 10 minutes to play this game. It's the Field of 68's college basketball newlyweds game, which means you have to marry one. You have to just date one. And you got to unfortunately dump somebody. Somebody's getting dumped tonight. Sweeney, have you ever been dumped?
3: It's no fun. It's no
1: fun, man. I've been dumped. She got a movie out of me and then Chipotle and then said, I'm out. <laughs> Randolph, you ever been dumped?
2: I have. I have. So we got we all got
1: something in common. We've all been dumped. Who's going to get dumped tonight? You got to marry somebody. Marrying means that you're committed to them. You are committed to them. Dating means you like it, you know, you like a nice night out, but you're not ready to marry them and dump. See ya. Sayonara. Here we go. Get your flowers and chocolates ready. First one, Randolph. Marry one, date one, dump one. Mark Few, Matt Painter, Chris Beard. Mm. And these are hard folks.
2: Mm. I'm going to marry Few. (laughs) Mm. I'm going to date. I'm not going to be a prisoner at the moment. I'm going to date Beard. I'm going to date Beard. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm such a fan, but I'm going to huh. dump, I'm going to dump Painter. Not yeah. <laughs> not because of his fault, because it's just two of his best players, but no, I, I I'll stick with that. I'm going to dump Painter. Oh, you killing me with this. You no, so
3: you marry you marry few for the consistency. Yeah. You date Beard because you can have fun with him, but he's gonna leave after five years. Yeah, he's gonna leave. He's not gonna stick around. So I can have fun with him. He's not he's not quite as exciting as the other.
2: And then and then Painter's dealing with his alma mater. He's home, he's comfortable, he's yeah, you know. So that's that's my order. That's what I'm sticking with. Okay. Kevin.
3: Yeah. Uh, What do we got? Or my my answer here yeah you have to give an answer yeah okay so I'm marrying a few I'm dating Chris Beard because like I said he's gonna stick around for fun he's gonna gonna move on eventually but we're gonna have some fun while we have it (laughs) while we do it and then (laughs) we're dumping Matt Painter um I'm
1: marrying Chris Beard wow wow yeah, I'm willing to make the move from state to state. I'm fine with it. I don't think Texas is his last stop either, but I think he's got national championships in store in his career. He's still relatively young. I'm going to date Mark Few. I love Mark Few, but I don't love him enough to marry him because he still doesn't have the one. And look, that's the tough reality there. He will next month. Yeah, there you go. And I'm going to dump Painter. Unfortunately, it stinks, but I am. Marry one, date one, dump one. Sweeney, Jaden Ivy, Johnny Zuzang. Johnny Davis.
3: So, so I'm taking, this is like a five seconds on the clock. Who do you want? Taking mm. the shot? Who we want the ball? Mm.
1: Right, right, right.
3: I think I trust Johnny's clutch gene. So I'm marrying Johnny. He is steady. Well, which one? He's a rock. Johnny Davis, John Davis. He's a rock. He's going to make tough shots. I'm a big Johnny, Johnny Davis guy. Uh, all of our, all of my college basketball group chats will attest to this. Um, <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, they will. I
3: think I'll, I think I'll, I'll think I'll, I'll stick with my strategy. I'll date Jaden Ivy because he is a little volatile. We're gonna have some fun. There's gonna be some high, you know. There's gonna be some high highs and some low lows. And you know, there's gonna be moments, you know, like the, uh like the Ohio State game where he's hitting twenty six foot fadeaway jumpers when he ran the play wrong. It's gonna be, we're gonna we're gonna have a blast. But you know, sometimes it's gonna be it's just too much to handle. And then. I think we're 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 dumping Johnny Juzang because he he's had his moment. He's passed his he's past his college basketball prime. His, his moment was last year the NCAA tournament. It was an unbelievable run. You can't match it again. I don't want to be chasing uh,
1: chasing. So a you're secondary. you're doing it's not it's not you. It's me yeah, with exactly. Juzang.
2: Right, it's, right. Go yes. ahead, Randolph. Yeah, I'm going to Murray Davis. I think that's pretty consistent. I I I, I that's uh, how do you go against him? He's arguably player of the year. Yeah. I'm gonna date. I'm gonna date Johnny Juicing. Wow! I'm gonna date, and I'm gonna dump Ivy. I, I, I just think he, he'll begin to play his best basketball right now. We're counting UCLA out. I think he's gonna show up. So that's my order.
1: Okay, I'm gonna marry Davis. I'm gonna date Ivy. I'm gonna unfortunately dump Juicing. So I'm with Sweeney. All right, Randolph, marry one, date one, dump one. SEC. Big 12, mm. Big 10. Mm.
2: This is hard. This is hard. Wow. All right. I'm definitely going to marry the big – I mean, the SEC, because I think they got two teams that are legit final four teams. Uh, I think Kentucky and Auburn. I don't think we – you know, we if they're in – I would imagine they're in all of our six, so eight teams for the tournament. Uh, I'm going to date – the big 12 and I'm going to dump the big 10.
3: Yeah. No, it, it pains me to say this because I'm a big 10 guy. I'm a big 10 country. <laughs> but I don't think the big, the big 10 doesn't have a final four 14 this year. Oh no.
1: my. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wow. Did you just, you just shot that from half court. The big Kevin Sweeney, 11 54 PM. Eastern time. Field of 68 after dark series XM <laughs> channel. 84 just said the Big Ten doesn't have a Final Four team.
3: They don't. And so they're, they're getting dumped. As, as sad as it is, we've, had a good, we've got a good run. They're dumped. Okay. Um, uh, our, our title winner will come from, so we're going to marry the SEC. Yeah, as R.C. said, you have two elite teams at the top. Well, hell of a wedding. And, and you've got, oh, hell of a wedding, a lot of money. And, uh, and certainly, you know, there, there's even some teams with some upside that we haven't talked about it could be a sneaky Final Four. You know, Alabama, Arkansas, playing good basketball. That. Yeah. Um. And, and then the Big 12, you know, we'll, we'll date them. You know, they they're they're a good runner up. You know, they they have you know great teams. They have experience, the pedigree, uh, obviously with Kansas and Baylor is, as, as, you know, as teams that have won championships recently. Texas Tech was just in the, the national championship game a couple of years back. You know, the coaches in this league are fantastic and several of them have been to final fours in national championship games. But to me, it's 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 SEC, then Big 12, then unfortunately, Big 10.
1: Okay, I'm unfortunately gonna have to dump the big ten. I'm gonna date the SEC. I'm gonna get a prenup with the big twelve. <laughs> we're gonna be married for two years, and then we're getting a divorce, <laughs> and I'm marrying the big east. So I was I'm surprised
3: gonna... you I was surprised you didn't just say you were marrying the big east
1: I gave it a shot. They had an affair. Texas and Oklahoma had affairs. And so then we we got divorced and we got with somebody else. Okay, yeah. marry one, date one, dump one. We have two minutes, so we got to be quick. Randolph, Ty yep. Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, Severe Wheeler.
2: Dumping Wheeler, marrying Ty Ty. Who's <laughs> the other one? Grady. And Kellan I'm dating Grady.
3: Grady. Yeah, I'm marrying Ty Ty. I'm going to date Severe Wheeler and I'm, uh, I'm dumping Kellen Grady. I, I think Severe Wheeler is underrated. I think he, he takes he takes too much heat for Kentucky struggles.
1: Why do you think he takes too much heat?
3: Because he's the guy with the ball in his hands. That's yeah, what comes with being the point guard Kentucky.
1: Hmm.
2: Do you you're guys the think- same guy. That's said- it. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you're the same guy. that would question him. Are they better with Tata at the point? You cheat- I, no, I you're going to keep- cheat on him.
1: You're going to cheat on oh, him. Oh, <laughs> he's a cheater. He's a cheater. No wonder he's single. <laughs> Okay, we got we got one minute. What you got, Fanta? What was your best prom night experience? Go. Oh, who you
2: got? What in the world?
1: <laughs> what happened to
3: our Cinderella, our newlywed game here?
1: <laughs> Murray State, Wyoming, or Colorado State? You got fifteen seconds. Murray State, Wyoming, or Colorado State? I'm marrying Wyoming.
3: Give me all the Colorado State stock. I love I love You're the Rams. Them.
2: Go Wyoming. Rams.
1: Nobody. I'm gonna date Murray State though. Matt McMahon's done a great job.
2: <laughs> right. I agree. Fair enough. You didn't pick the Kentucky backcourt, though.
1: Well, I'd marry Ty-Ty, and I would date Kellen Grady. I'm sorry, Severe. I'm sorry. You're not getting my (laughs) rose. You're not getting my rose. Oh, this was fun. A Valentine's Day edition of the Field of 68 After Dark did not disappoint. Join us on Twitter and YouTube for Afters for Kevin Sweeney, Randolph Childrens, Dende, Greg Waddell. This is John Fantas saying so long. Hope you enjoyed your chocolates. See you tomorrow night. Okay. Feel the 68 after dark afters. What prom night? I'm trying. So, one prom night, I think I drank. I had a good date. Okay. Um, it was never going to be anything more than just the night. Right. So, I drank probably half a handle of moonshine uh, on the prom night. Had it passed out.
3: Where were you living? And you sh- you're drinking moonshine. You're, you're a Northeast guy, right, Fanta? No no, 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 Ohio, no. Ohio, Ohio. Okay, Ohio. okay I, I can buy the oh, yeah. moonshine now. Okay. Yeah. I'm so, thinking Jersey. I'm like, who's drinking moonshine in Jersey?
1: So the next morning, <laughs> so the next morning comes around and we're at the, we had stayed somewhere at somebody's house, somebody's house for uh, the after party, you know, your garage, high school music, call me. Maybe you've got handles, you got pong, you got all that stuff going on. So we get up the next morning. They're serving pancakes and bacon. And like I walk out of wherever, you know, you just fell asleep wherever it was high school. I walk out of wherever to go out towards the, the kitchen table, say hi to the, you know, buddy's mom. Good morning. You know, thanks for having us. I was kind of the diplomat of the friend group. And I looked at the, I looked at the, 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 my prom date. And I said, what's going on? Wasn't last night. Great. She looks at me and goes, can we get the hell home? I'll start back in the car. Want to stop for a McDonald's sausage biscuit on the way back? No. And that was the end of it. We haven't oh, seen each other. We haven't seen each other since. <laughs> wow. I'm I'm thinking it's Randolph
3: basketball programming.
1: Yeah, it is. It's elite. I mean, it's it's midnight here. Uh feel the 68 after dark afters it's amazing it's the best uh go ahead randolph
2: you had a better time than i did believe it or not i didn't even make it to my my high school graduate i missed the graduation and everything
1: oh you were going yeah you were,
2: t- you were too busy no you know what my my gown and everything was in my car with my, with my father and i rode with my mother and traffic was crazy graduation was at some other place and they got lost, oh. and I have relatives in town, and oh. couldn't and couldn't, you know. So my, uh, I, so I didn't make it. I, I just said I got so mad that I, you know, I was like, I'm not just walking with no robe or nothing. I was like, just take me back home,
1: like right. the hell
2: with it, right? Order a pizza and celebrate yeah, that yeah, way, like whatever. Kevin,
3: uh, yeah. So so all my buddy, we had like a all my buddies. This is gonna be a really little lame, but uh, me and my buddies, we were all like. Oh no. Kind of, no, up. you did not do this. We skipped, we skipped, we did skip. But we oh, went. No, no. Oh. So so there was no, no so, so so let me let me preface this. There is a picnic the day of where everybody parties, they drink oh. during the day, they have a good time. So we went out, we had, we went to the picnic, we hung out at the picnic, and then we went to the
2: Mets game.
1: Oh, com- oh my god. <laughs> Are you serious?
2: When was that? When was this like last year? Two years ago?
3: (laughs) Oh, here we go. (laughs) I've grown up a lot here in the last five years, RC. Give me a break here. All right, all right, all right.
0: All break. break. We had a
3: lovely, we had a lovely evening. We had a great, great time. Okay. All right. We're ready to move on. Ready to move on. All right. Kevin Sweeney skipped his
2: prom (laughs) went to the Met game. And went to a
3: Mets game. It was, That's actually they,
2: awesome, though. I, I I I give you props for that. That's I would do yeah. that too.
3: Why not? Did they win? The Mets? I have no recollection of the game.
2: <laughs> you I'm just went got was, hammered. It was the huh? guys.
3: Yeah, we, we yeah we went out. We down we went down at a lovely time. Hung out with the guys. Told great co- high school stories. It was kind of the last hurrah. It was great. It was our mm-hmm. own little last hurrah. This <laughs> is unbelievable.
1: Oh, this is great. I love the love stories deep into the night. Uh, it's, it's great stuff. I, could, I, would, I would love, if the college basketball coverage thing doesn't work out, I'd love to be like a Dear Abby hotline <laughs> that you could call in. We'll give you advice as, as you talk about your relationship status. But that's for another show. Our highlight of After Dark Afters tonight is actually a huge game later today now that we're after midnight. Yeah a top 10 matchup at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. It is just the second time that Providence has ever hosted a top 10 game. It's the Friars. It's Villanova. It's the best two teams in the Big East in quite the regular season title race in this conference. Randolph Childress. What do you expect out of this atmosphere later tonight? Out of this game later tonight? Out of this war between the Wildcats and Friars?
2: That's exactly what it's going to be. I mean, it's it's going to be a flat out war because, uh, as we know, you know, Villanova's not ready to give up the Big East crown. I mean, that's just you know, we we just expect them to hold on to it. They're gonna. I just think it's providence time, and and, and I think they're gonna. Villanova needs the two games against them to get back if they want to win. But I think Providence leaves no doubt. And I think they're going to take care of business tomorrow. I I like the matchup of their bigs against Eric Dixon. We talked about that a little bit earlier today. That matchup, uh, Dixon is going to have to play out of his mind, I think, you know, from the perimeter. I think think he struggles to finish inside against – he'll struggle to finish inside against that size. But can he make enough jump shots to spread them out on that switching defense? And I don't think they want to switch as much because – I like, you know, I like the guard play of Providence as much as I like the guard play of Villanova. But I I think the advantage inside goes to Providence. And my only question with them is, can they control their emotions in that environment? You know, and and what I mean by that is the early fouls, the unnecessary fouls and things of that nature that, you know, Villanova's been there. They're accustomed to those. Every game for them, they get this type of treatment everywhere they go. So that would be the only thing that concerns me about Providence. This is new to them. I think for me, the, the matchup I'm most looking forward to in this is
3: how does Providence deal with the physical guards that Villanova has, right? And I think we think about Villanova, and we think about you know their shooting and their, their finesse team, but you know, Gillespie's a big veteran dude, Justin Moore is huge, you know, you know, big physical guy, Slater. You know, these guards are are bigger guys. And how will Durham and Bynum deal with that? You know, Bynum in particular has just been really, really good for them of late. And you know, a guy who earned a lot of criticism last season, struggled at times. And, you know, the DePaul game, he was outstanding. You know, 25 points, seven seven rebounds, six assists. He had the 32-point outburst against Georgetown on the road. I mean, he's he's been terrific. And, you know, I think they're going to need elite point guard play to win this game because you know what you're going to get from the Villanova guards. Um, so, to me, like – I, I think it's all about Durham and them how they deal with that. And I think also, obviously, the shooting variance, right? I mean, like, you know, Villanova, when they shoot the ball from three at a high level, it's really hard to beat them. You know, five, seven teams can beat them. When they don't, they're very beatable. And, and I think when you go into an environment like this, you know, I almost think the first five shots will determine the day, right? If Villanova hits their first five threes or, or, you know, hits hits two or three of them. Watch out, Providence. Like it could, it could get, could get ugly quick with the way Villanova spreads it around. But if, if they struggle early and they don't build that confidence and that building gets on them, it's going to be challenging for Villanova.
1: Okay. So here's the thing these are the top two defensive teams in the Big East. I think this is a first to 60 game, if not first to 55. It will be an absolute war. There are a couple of items in this matchup that are particularly fascinating. The first one being that Jared Bynum is back-to-back Big East Player of the Week and is playing the best basketball of his career at the moment. That is a big change because Bynum was injured for a period earlier this season. And, guys, he he's never been that consistent from the perimeter. Lately, he has been. He's been very, very good. And he gives them offensive bursts. And one thing about Ed Cooley that defines his success, if you look – over his career is when he has perimeter shooting providence will defend you they'll rebound the basketball well enough they didn't do it against DePaul paul very well the question with providence always is do they have enough on the perimeter bynum combined with al durham is enough to give villanova's backcourt issues this is a tall tall task for colin gillespie He's fully capable of managing the game, but it will take more than just game management to win this game. The creation of open looks, and that's where I look at Justin Moore and Caleb Daniels. They've got to be on point. They have to be on point. They have to be shot ready. They've got to make things happen. For me, though, if you look at Villanova's season, what did we say going into the season was the the big storyline for them? It was that Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels have come back. Guys... Overall, Jermaine Samuels has not had a good year. He's not been what they anticipated. When he's been on, and even on Saturday against Seton Hall, made a timely shot late in the game. It changes who they are because you have a stretch man who's physical, who's long, who can pull guys out. Him and Eric Dixon are both capable of that. So for me, I think Villanova's key comes actually at their 3, 4, 5 slots. I think Providence's key actually comes from their 1-2 and two play. Because for me, Providence's key variable this year is they can count on Al Durham late in the game to make something happen. They could count on Jared Bynum now to make a shot. And AJ Reeves comes and goes, but you can count on those two guys. Villanova, however, it can't just be Gillespie and Moore in a game against the elite. And the fact is, Providence is 21 and 2 and on their home floor. They're elite. That's what this game on Tuesday night comes down to for me. I think it's a terrific matchup, and I think to me, the key question to answer is, where does the depth in offense come from in this game? Who has more depth to their scoring?
3: I, I, I kind of lean, I, I think for me with Providence, it's been different guys stepping up on different nights. All so year long. So whose night it's going to be. And I think that really helps them in a game like this. It really does. It it goes right to the depth. I mean, again, they're not a super deep team. Like you're not looking and saying, wow, their ninth and 10th guys are so great. But everyone has found ways to contribute. You know, sometimes it's Horkler. Sometimes it's Mania going for 15, right? They have six guys, six, seven guys who can give you 15. And I think that's valuable against a Villanova team that is underrated defensively that is a much better defensive team than people think of because they are old, because they are physical, because they are well-schooled. And because Brandon Slater is a wrecker on, really, I mean, he, 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 he can,
2: you know, you know, really impact
3: the game because he can guard every position on the floor.
2: But what do you get? And like you said, it's just with, with those guys, I like, I like the fact that with Providence, we don't know, it is a different guy and it can be a different guy every time, every night. I I, I think with Villanova again, if it's a if it's true what you said, John, it's around like a sixty point game, that means Villanova's struggling from the perimeter. That favors Providence. Hmm. I, I think Villanova's shot is they gotta they gotta shoot high thirties to forty percent from three.
1: I agree with that
2: to win. And if they don't, I think they're in trouble.
1: They are in trouble. And here's the thing, I don't think Eric Dixon is is having as much success in the post against Providence as he's had against other opponents. Providence has the matchups for him. Another key guy to keep an eye on. Noah Horkler seems to really, he seems to fly under the radar. Ed Cooley talks about how he plays mindlessly. He looks like sunshine from remember the Titans. He kind of plays like him too. And he helps them win. I mean, he he really does. If you take a look here, I'm just pulling up Kempom, which Providence fans just starting to walk away, but folks, please do not. Uh, If you take a look at Kempom, Villanova in tempo is 354th. Providence is 296. That's why we're calling it a war. Okay? Like transition, uh uh-uh. This is old school, man. This is a this is what the Big East was built on. These are two longtime members, two longtime rivals. This is, and this is no offense to the newer members, but this game's being played in the city that the Big East was founded in. It's Providence College's biggest regular season home game in the history of the school. There are tickets to this game that are going for upwards of Mm $1,000. The building is in downtown. There are some students that are going to set up tents tomorrow during the day to be ready for the 8 o'clock tip. It's an eight o'clock tip. There are not many college basketball eight o'clock tips. That is perfect for a fan to have a couple drinks, to get a nice bite of eat and be ready to go. And it's Villanova. It's the team that has been the standard in the big East. And for the most part nationally over the last five, six years against the coach who's made history in his hometown. It's the perfect Hollywood script. And we always talk about the big East is Villanova until someone takes it from them. If someone's going to take it from them, tonight is the night. Now that is fun. So we're going to be on the ground. Jeff Goodman's going to be on site. Terrence Oglesby's already there. I have an Amtrak in seven hours getting up and bolting it straight to Villanova shoot around. I am so excited for this game. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic matchup between two physical teams and two teams who uh, who just – they've got big-time players without maybe – they don't have an NBA player, but this is kind of what college basketball – like, the Big East is not a one-and-done conference. It's not this league that's filled with pros. But, like, if you're the traditionalist in college basketball, guys, this is your matchup. This is – it's kind of a flashback in time. It really is.
2: It's a throw two throwback top, game, no, no, no doubt about it. For throw two top game. ten
1: teams. Yeah. All right, th- three cheers. Kevin, go
3: uh cheers to john Fantas prom date
1: (laughs) why for walking out for booking it yeah i mean i tried to dance with her to every time we touch but it
2: yeah
1: yeah i ended up not getting selected to the field of 68 for that one all right randolph (laughs) go ahead
2: not a lot going on uh (laughs) collegially today uh but i'm gonna give it to kansas Okay. You know, taking care of business, no slip-ups today. They did nothing to think, you know, to prove, you know, for us to think any different that they they're a team that can, that can cut down nets so, or at least be a Final Four team. So uh, to Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. Plus, my daughter graduated from their grad school, so I'll, she's probably listening. Oh, so I gotta love that.
1: I love that. I love that. Uh, I'm gonna hand out my three cheers to the Horizon League tonight. Because a season after they played a crazy triple overtime conference tournament game, if, if memory serves me correctly, they played another triple overtime game tonight. Cleveland State and Purdue-Fort Wayne mm. was wild. Fort Wayne wins this game 102-98. to 98. Unbelievable win. Per, uh, Cleveland State. Has had a great year again under Dennis Gates, and I think we'll end up winning the Horizon League tournament and getting back to the NCAA tournament. But tonight, I mean, you had a total of, I'm just looking at this, 12 players scoring double figures. And I'm going to give it to Jalen Pipkins from Fort Wayne. Pipkins played 51 minutes tonight. The man went for 27 points, four rebounds, but he scores 27 points. He played 51 minutes. That's a game high. Mr. Pipkins, take a bow. Fort Wayne gets the win. Three cheers to that guy. That guy deserves to get a nice, nice rest. I hope he had a bay to go back to for Valentine's Day after playing. Fi- you play 51 minutes, man. You deserve to go home to somebody.
2: He better have that on some moonshine like he had back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> And to keep it PG-rated, we will stop
1: right there, although I don't think we did. I don't think we did. Thanks to Greg Waddell for tolerating us. Thanks to Randolph Childress. Thanks to Kevin Sweeney. I'm John Fanta. We are back tonight, 11 Eastern time. We're on about a, uh, let's see here, math, 24-hour break or so before, uh, 23-hour break, rather, or so before we're back with After Dark, After Providence and Villanova, part of a loaded Tuesday. Rob is going to host